Welcome to Imperfect Momming. Our children are constantly looking to us for examples. The term role model doesn't quite cut it here. We are shaping their worldview with every move we make. You see, it's not in the lectures we give or moments where we are actively attempting to teach them. It's in the micro movements we make, the unconscious ways in which we navigate life. We are constantly teaching our children how to show up for themselves, their friends, their future partners, and even their future children. So what can we do to ensure we are raising thoughtful, compassionate, self-aware human beings? We have to become them ourselves. No one is perfect, but we can still all be better, and it starts with self-healing. Let's get to it. Welcome back to Imperfect Momming, and we have a very special guest today, uh, Tina Clark. Welcome to uh, Imperfect Momming. Hey, how are you doing? I'm excited to be here. Doing super good, and it's you know I did your podcast, so we gotta we gotta reciprocate, right? <laughs> right, exactly. We gotta support each other. Absolutely. So why don't you go ahead and tell our listeners a little bit about who you are and what you do? Okay, I'm a Reiki master teacher and spiritual shaman. I live in the Charleston, South Carolina area. I have my own business called Stargazing Angel, and I've been at it for about seven years now. I've worked with more than 400 people, either in sessions or teaching, and I'm going to keep going. Even into retirement, I'm going to be doing this. That's incredible. Um, I don't know that I've ever been to a Reiki master, but uh, it's something that we kind of learned about. I used to be a massage therapist. They kind of gave us a broad view of all the different styles. And um, I know that was one. I know that I've, I've have a couple of friends who've um, uh, been helped by, by Reiki. So I think that's super cool. Yeah, I love it. And they are always learning something new and it changes and evolves. And the difference that I see in my clients keeps me motivated to keep going. Absolutely. So we, our topic uh, on this podcast is about, um, you know, being an imperfect mom and really becoming the person that you want your children to be. So tell me a little bit about your experience with um, growing up and your mom and and whatnot. Uh, My mom was born in the Philippines. She's one of 14 children. They grew up very poor. I think at times they didn't have basic needs like food and shoes. Mm. pencils for school really tough so when she immigrated to the U.S. I think her focus was having those basic needs met which basically you know you have a house and food and those basic things but uh, like emotionally and nurturing wise we didn't go get a whole lot from her Um, I actually got more of that from my father than I did her. And I understand why she was that way, but 
when I decided to become a mother, I reflected a lot about how she mothered me and what I wanted to emulate and what I didn't want to emulate. Um, the interesting thing is my mom was a working mom and she sometimes had two jobs at once. So I hardly ever saw her. Yeah. But when my sister and I became mothers, we became stay-at-home mothers. So I think that might have been an unconscious reaction to not having her around. We really wanted to be around for our children. And the ironic thing, that wasn't even my plan because I went to college and graduate school and got a job and was very career-focused and ambitious, but... The way it ended up, I ended up being at home with them. And I'm really glad I did get to stay with them. It's a gift to be home with their children. I, I totally agree. It wasn't something that I really thought about prior to thinking about having kids. Like it was, you know, I joined a home-based business. My um, recruiter into that business was a stay-at-home mom. And that was really what she wanted because that's what she experienced growing up. And so it was really important to her to work from home and, and be with her kids. And she got that opportunity. And I simply emulated that um, because that was the example that I had from her in the business. Ultimately I realized that, you know, I, I wanted to be a stay at home mom, but I didn't have a stay at home kid. Like my son loved to be around other kids. And so I ended up, you know, having him in daycare a couple of days a week just so he could socialize. And this was before, you know, school age. And even after school age, he would go to uh, daycare a couple of days a week um, just to hang out with the, those same friends that he had at school, the ones that would go to daycare too. Um, so it was kind of an interesting journey, but I think I did the same thing that you did, um, somewhat consciously, maybe not sitting down and thinking, okay, like this is who I want to be as a mom, because this is what I didn't get as a child. I think when, as I came into certain situations, um, I did things the way that I wish they had done been done with me. Right. And so I had a, one of my parents um, would, instead of asking me to go to bed or reading me a story to go to bed, and it was screaming at me to get into bed when I didn't go the first time. And so when I noticed that that was happening with my son, where I would get angry that he wouldn't go to bed, I simply ex I explained to this three-year-old child, like, hey, mommy got yelled at as a kid because I wasn't listening to go to bed and I don't want to yell at you. So I really want you to listen when I say it's bedtime. And I don't know if I lucked out <laughs> or if that actually works, but I mean, it just, it worked with him and we've never had a screaming battle when it came to going to bed. So, I mean, I could imagine, you know, your mom probably didn't experience a lot of nurturing from her parents because they were focused on 
the needs getting met for 14 children. And so since she didn't have that model of a nurturing mom, yeah. she didn't know how to project that. And, and probably I think her mom was nurturing from what I knew of her, but that she, she was probably really spread then. And yeah. um, she would tell the story that she would play baseball and she'd have one of her little brothers and sisters in her arm in one arm holding them. And then she was batting with the other arm. So she was taking care of her little brothers and sisters and trying to play at the same time. <laughs> what number child was she out of the 14? She was number four. Yeah, but she really is the matriarch because she was the first one to come to the U.S. Mm. And she helped a lot of her relatives come here. So she was yeah. the first one to break out of the mold and not get married young and have eight to ten children. And mm. she just was totally different. So I think from probably a young age, she decided I'm not going to do what society expects me to do mm. I want to do something different I want a different life and she succeeded at it yeah yeah now I know it's really easy in your situation to focus on you know what you didn't get as a child that you wanted and I think it's really speaks to the strength of your character that you didn't just repeat the pattern of I'm going to be like my mom or the other thing that people tend to do in, in your situation when they have less than ideal upbringings is they, they just say, I don't want kids at all. Yeah, right. no, there for some strange reason that didn't make any logical sense. I wanted to have, at least one child and I never I was never that mom that was like oh I'm going I want to have three and I haven't even met my husband yet you know I always thought that was weird mm -hmm. but you know I'm very practical so I was like if I meet a man I think will be a good father I will think about having a child and I met that man my husband and I was like we will try for one and see how that goes no promises. There'll be, you know, more. <laughs> so did you end up with more than one? How did the first one go? <laughs> uh, the first one was rough. Yeah. Rough. I mean, um, she, I had four midwives wow. and each checked my stomach, said baby's head down, right? Use their yeah. hands. Go to the hospital, 10 centimeters, dilate it. Oh, by the way, we're feeling a butt, not ahead, Tina. Ugh. So guess what? I had to have a C-section. I was going to say emergency C-section. Yep. Yeah. And then um, after she was born, she had colic. So she cried all the time for like two months. Mm -hmm. And we had breastfeeding problems because she wouldn't latch on. Plus, I also had Raynaud syndrome, which makes breastfeeding painful, which didn't know that. So I had a bunch of challenges, but by the time I was 36, I was like, if we're going to have another one, we need to get going. 
It's now or never, right? <laughs> and I kept saying that the the younger, this second baby was going to be like an angel. She was going to be easy. And all my friends were like, how do you know that, Tina? And I said, because things balance out. <laughs> I was like, I deserve this. Yeah. And so she, she was, I mean, not that Lily was a bad baby, but she was easier. She she cried when she needed to cry and she slept through the night at seven weeks from then on. Hmm. So she she was yeah. an easier baby. Yeah. yeah. Like you said, yeah. it balances out. And to me, it usually goes the other way where you have a just perfect first child. Like I've always noticed, like there's just the perfect first child and then the second one is a lot harder. And I always joke that that's God's way of tricking you into having a second one. <laughs> <laughs> and I, my mom's best friend uh, had just, the first child was so difficult. And my mom was like, how could you even think about having a second one? She's like, couldn't get much worse. And yeah. I don't. I think she was also not easy. So it didn't balance out, but you know, she, it was like, she's, she stopped after the two. <laughs> yeah. But I'm glad yeah. that it was balanced out. <laughs> I could tell because when I was pregnant with my youngest, she barely moved at night. Hmm. And I was like poking her. Cause I was like, Hey, you okay in there? And then she would just move a little bit. So I think she was sleeping at night in my belly. Hmm. Yeah. 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 You can tell their personalities, right? Even when they're in your belly, you can tell. Yeah. You know, what's interesting. I never thought about the fact that we are born with personalities. Like it, it didn't really like, it wasn't a conscious no. thought in my mind. No. No. And if you can hear my son, we got a puppy <laughs> <laughs> and he's, I think the puppy's biting him. And so he's telling him no. So um, there's nothing I can do about it. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just bring it into the conversation. There's some puppy training going on in the background. <laughs> puppy training going on in the background. Uh, we have been, you know, watching some fun YouTube videos on it. I, I found a guy that I really like. I can't remember his name. I think it's Zach something, but um, I, I'm really resonating with him. I like the way that he teaches. So um, we've been watching some videos and he's got some sharp puppy teeth. And, um, and I have to say that, that training a puppy, like, I don't think that I did it in the past. And I really think it's worse than babies. <laughs> I heard and I'm not interested in doing yes. that at all. Yeah. At all. Get me a a litter, give me a litter kitty or already adult dog that's knows how to go right, potty. Right. I'm good yeah. with that. Yeah. So I mean it's 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 kind of funny. I think the universe provides what you need. <laughs> sometimes. And um, my boyfriend and I have talked about, he's always 
wanted a dog, but he hasn't wanted the responsibility of a dog or the responsibility of anything. He just, he's, he just doesn't like the responsibility. And so he's kept his life very responsibility free um, with the exception of me and my son. He's really taken on the responsibility of being dad. Um, and, but anyway, he just decided yesterday morning, he's, you know, quitting some bad habits and starting some really good habits. And then the dog shows up and it wasn't on our radar right this minute. Like we wanted to, I wanted to have a house that we own with a backyard <laughs> that we can lock them out in <laughs> mm-hmm. and have a doggy door and all that kind of stuff. Cause that's, you know, that was my experience with uh, my previous dogs and it's a lot easier when they can just come and go as they please or come and go as they need. And um, I'm getting more steps. We'll just put it that way. <laughs> Clocking more steps, but um, that's beyond the scope of, of the podcast, but um, so we were talking about balance and the second children and was there, did we, was that complete? Was that conversation complete? Yeah, that's pretty complete. I mean, as a, as a baby, she was really good, but I think as a toddler, she was more challenging. So, you know, I think everything evens out and it it's so worth it. Yeah. You know, it just. And I, I, I know, I know there are women that are like, oh, or I'm not ready, or my parent, my husband's not ready. I'm like, you're never 100% ready. You just gotta go for it, you know, when you're 90%, you know, or close. <laughs> yeah, and that kind of ties ties in with the dog too. Like, I was not ready, and here we are. I'm making it work. <laughs> the universe says. Here, Here you, you are ready. Yeah. Ready or not. Ready or not. Here it is. Yeah. I mean, it was kind of interesting. He just showed up on in our back porch and obviously malnourished and um, neglected. And we're not sure if he had a family. Um, we're, we're out in the middle of nowhere. So it would be hard for him to get to where we are on his own if he was, you know, with a family or whatnot. So we did our due diligence in trying to find his home, but um, you know, you could see his bones. Like he was, he, he was sad little puppy. No, he's got a little puppy, happy puppy pouch belly. Like it's so cute. Wow. Within 24 hours, just he's so you, you could just tell he's healthier and we were able to take him to the vet yesterday and get him checked out. And so, um, Anyway, but yeah, like the, the, when you're ready, like whether you're ready or not, like sometimes it's just, here's your baby. And um, I think that, that that's, that's important to be somewhat prepared um, as much as you can. I mean, we have a lot of surprise babies um, in the world and we have a lot of planned babies and we have a lot of babies that that parents try for so long for. I just got a text from a friend of mine and I think she's been trying for over 10 years with lots of medical intervention and um, and she's she has a surrogate now and and I've, I've talked her through this journey because I've been a surrogate. So you know it's 
like, I think that, that I'm going to kind of bring this into like, there's a lot of comparing comparison that we have in the mom world. Like, like this is the way that it should be. Right. Like Mm -hmm. I should be this age. I should have this job. I should be at home. I should this and that and the other thing. And when we should on ourselves, we're not in alignment with who we are. And I think that kind of goes back to the, the baby babies with personalities. Like we're born with the personality. And the first time I really thought or that came to my conscious mind was uh, reading a book called the war of art, which is a play on the title of the art of war. Um, And you know, we're, we're not, we don't come into the world as a blank slate. We do come into the world with a bit of a personality. And, you know, I think that inside of our DNA, there's passion and there's um, purpose and all of that kind of fun stuff. So we've been a little bit all over the place on the podcast. So I apologize. Uh, (laughs) My brain has been uh, (laughs) lately, I just, I'm all over the place. So Anyway. This is an organic uh, conversation. It is. It is. <laughs> and it's real. Like that's how real conversations go, right? <laughs> right, right. We don't have our notes. You know, I have no notes here. <laughs> exactly. So what piece of advice would you give to moms? New moms or any moms? Uh, any, whatever you feel is whatever's on your heart. I know I kind of threw this at you without warning. I think I think self reflections mm. a huge part of me being aware of who I am and who I am as a mother. And you really need to take time to reflect on. Yes, I had these kind of parents, but. I'm in control now and I'm the mother now mm-hmm. and what kind of mother do I want to be? Yeah. And take steps toward that. However you can do that. I, before I even had kids, I had friends that were amazing mothers mm-hmm. and I just watched them. You know, I looked at how they treated their children you know, how, how much they loved being a mother. And it's almost like I soaked it up like a sponge and watched and learned from them even before I had my first child. Yeah. And the other thing is, is, you know, you were mentioning there's all these expectations. There's even expectations from doctors and nurses because I had the term advanced maternal age thrown at me a couple of times. And even though I was 36 and I was like, yeah, I need to try for another baby. Guess what? I got pregnant on the first night. So that tends to be, look, my grandmother had 14. Right. You're for for the myrtle. (laughs) No one's really had a problem getting pregnant in my family. I have to say. So for them, you know, that didn't even care. They said that term. I was like, ha, 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 whatever, you know, (laughs) I'm just going to do my thing. And I really didn't have a problem. So, well, I will say that I'm super annoyed by the term geriatric pregnancy for 35 (laughs) plus. I'm like, can we pick a different word? You are not geriatric at 35. I'm sorry. (laughs) 
<laughs> that's my rant. <laughs> I, they, I can't believe they use geriatric. They said advanced maternal age for me. And I'm like, you know what? If I'm young enough to get pregnant, I'm young enough. The end. Yeah. You know, I either can get pregnant or I'm potentially or not. But it really doesn't have anything to do with age. <laughs> right. I just, ugh. Anyway, I won't go off on that tangent. Um, <laughs> and I think what you said was so profound because basically you're not being a victim to the circumstances you were born into. And I, to me, I think that that's encouraging. Like we don't have to be like our parents if we didn't like our parenting. Um, and I met somebody the other day who was telling me that, sh that she really dug into the psychology of her parents and how healing that was to really understand where they were coming from and and how it really healed the relationship that she had with her parents. Um, and I just, I was like, you know, I've, I've really done that with my dad because I spent a lot of time feeling like my dad didn't love me. And then understanding, you know, how he was raised and the struggles he's had in his life and has really healed that and I really started looking for evidence that that wasn't true that he did love me and the beautiful thing about that is I was my brain opened up to all these memories these beautiful memories of him expressing his love to me um but around 12, 13 years old, I decided, well, he must not care about me. And so my brain started finding evidence of that. And whatever you're looking for evidence for, you're going to find evidence. And so just to piggyback off of your advice, that's something that, that I advise is, is if you don't like the evidence in your life, start looking for evidence that that the opposite is true. I think that's really healthy because I think we get stuck in a rut and we, we look at people a certain way or we look at our parents a certain way. And yeah, you're right. It's very one-sided and, and people are complex, mm -hmm. you know, and we, maybe our parents didn't tell what, tell us what they're, childhood was like maybe we just have to guess but you know what you can guess a lot by someone's behavior if you really tried so I put the puzzle pieces together I think for my mom and my mom's alive so I can ask her but my father died at 18 and I can't ask him things you know I just I have the childhood you know experience right. of my dad but not as an adult right so, yeah, it's put yourself in their shoes, you know, mm -hmm. no matter how horrible you think they were, yeah, you know, maybe they didn't have the capacity 
um, to give you what you needed. Not that that excuses it, but you know, um, I think people do the best that they can. Totally agree. And a lot of the things that we believe about our parents are these decisions that we make, these beliefs that come in are formed by a child's mind and a child doesn't have the life experience to be able to say, well, here's a different perspective. It's just, oh, my parents got divorced. That must be my fault because this is the universe and this is me. And if you're not watching the video, my hand is revolving around my hand is the universe and my other hand is revolving around it. Like that's, we only know ourselves in at a certain age. And so we make decisions based on the information that we have at the time. And so as an adult, you can make new decisions and you can, you know, just, um, and heal some of those, those judgments from when you were a kid, like, yeah, question those conclusions you made, because like you said, as a kid, you can jump to conclusions, you you don't know all the factors and the complexities, and you may make a may have made a leap into something that's not really correct or fair about the situation. So that's why I think self-reflection is so good. And if you have your parent with you, you know, ask them, ask them, why did this happen? Why did you make this decision? You know, and you can get that feedback and understand even better, you know, the situation or event. Yeah. It helps to have an older sibling too, because I have a Mm -hmm. sister that's seven years older Mm-hmm. And she remembers totally different things that I do, you know, and it, I don't know who's remembering correctly what, but you know, <laughs> it's like, I love to bounce things off of her because she remembers yeah. a lot more than I do just because she's seven years older. Right. And, you know, we get to, I get a different perspective of the same event because, you know, everybody experienced the same event differently. Right. Yeah. I have a brother who's five years older. And so I get to hear lots of stories and some stories I wish I didn't know. I'm not going to (laughs) lie, you know, but it's, it's part of the family history that, that he knows that he's shared with me that I get to put pieces of the puzzle together. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we could talk about this forever and ever. Oh um, yeah. Because this is, this is like my jam right here. Like, (laughs) I love to talk about like, oh, anyway, um, how about a book? Is there a book that was particularly impactful in your uh, journey for parenting or self-healing? I would say one, one of the best books I read was one, two, three magic, because I think my parents yelled a lot when we misbehaved and um, I didn't want to be a parent that yelled. Yeah. So I was looking for an option. And then one of my friends, one of those wonderful mothers that I observed, she practiced this one, two, three magic. And it worked great with my girls. I mean, I wouldn't even get to two 
and they changed their behavior. Mm. So it, it prevented me from yelling, from getting upset, and it gave them consequences, but it wasn't too harsh. You know what I mean? Yeah. It was too intensely emotional, which I felt like when I was yelled at sometimes, it like, I felt like it didn't match what I did. I don't even remember like 90% of what I did, you know, to get yelled at, honestly. Do you? <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, I'm, I'm thinking back and I don't remember either of my parents yelling at me and my, <clears throat> excuse me. And both my brothers have, have talked about my dad being a yeller. And I was like, I don't have any recollection of that whatsoever. I, I remember more my step parents being the discipliners, but, um, and not so much my parents, <laughs> excuse me. Um, but I'm so happy that you recommended that book because I feel like I'm creating a mental list of people that need to read it. And I'm at the top, not that I yell at my son as much anymore. Um, but I'm noticing as I'm sleep deprived from the puppy puppy that when I'm tired, that is my default. And I've, you know, I probably had less than five hours of sleep last night and it wasn't even the hours that I did sleep. They weren't restful. My, I just couldn't get my brain to shut off. And, um, and so as soon as my son woke up, I told him, listen, I'm tired. And when I'm tired, I'm cranky. And when I'm cranky, I'm yelling. And so just please understand that I'm, it's not, it's not you. It's completely what just my body is, is not, it, it's not functioning properly. And I thought the beautiful thing about that was that I, I probably got to take a two hour nap today because he was watching the puppy for me and I feel so much better. I feel so much more like myself that, you know, and, and those are things that I didn't know about myself probably a year or two ago. Yeah. I think it's important to explain to your kids what's happening when you get upset. Um, I try to explain, I remember my youngest, she triggered me and I got real upset and I had to walk away from the dinner table. Yeah. That's how upset I was getting. And later on, I explained to them why. And um, I wanted them to understand why I got so upset. I didn't want it to be some kind of mystery. Yeah. I didn't want them to be, you know, I wanted to be clear to them why something so innocent could make me so upset. Right. And I think they did. Um, and my little one kept apologizing. And I was like, no, I don't need you to apologize. You know, I I just want to explain why. Yeah. And so you understand why I got so upset about that. And that goes yeah. back to what we were talking about, where when we're younger, we assign a meaning, a meaning to something. But when you take the time to tell your child, this is what happens, they can't make it mean something disempowering about themselves. 
Yes, yes. You know, if get them I the information. Her. Explain it. Mm-hmm. Explain it. And you know what? And I apologize. Yeah. I say, I'm sorry I got angry. Sorry I snapped at you. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm sorry I'm cranky. You know, I apologize. And I don't know about you, but I, I almost never got, I don't think I ever got apologies from my parents. I don't, I don't have any recollections of explanations or apologies or anything like that. You know, I, I can't say that those things didn't happen because I don't remember a lot of my childhood. Um, but it's, it's so powerful to, to explain because they don't have the chance to make the disempowering meaning and they get to see that you're human and when they get to see that you're human they get to understand that they're human too and and you know an angry adult is scary yeah to a child um even a teenager so they may not feel like they can ask you mom why why so you have to step up mm-hmm. and explain why right so you know so um you know we're not perfect and we have to admit it when we make mistakes you yep. know absolutely because we're all doing the best we can we are our parents us our kids everyone yeah the puppy the puppy <laughs> i know <laughs> Funniest thing about the puppy. I'm gonna. This is my last thing, and then I'm gonna ask tell our <laughs> listeners where they can find you. So I'm watching these puppy training videos, and this may sound si- silly or simple to everyone else on the planet, but I was of the generation that when your dog pees on the carpet, you rub their nose in it and toss them outside or whatever you do. I have not done that with this puppy. We watched training videos before that. And this Zach guy, I think that's his name that I really like. He said, it's as useless as punishing a baby for peeing in its diaper. And I was like, huh? Yeah, they're just babies. And like I said, it just, it was such the, it was (laughs) such a simple aha moment that it's actually decreased my irritation of the couple of accidents that we had. And one of the videos we watched, uh, there was a a girl that we were, that was um, talking about training. And she said, it's on you. If your dog pees in the house, it's on you. And I'm sure there's something that we could take into parenting, you know, transfer that over into the, into the parenting world that, you know, there are certain things that our kids do that are on us. Yeah. Yeah, And we, we have to make that effort to meet them where they're at. Yeah. You know, we have to step across the void and make it make sense and explain to them. Yeah. Yeah. So why don't you tell our listeners where they can find you? All right. Well, my website is tinakinneyclark.com. Um, and you can find me on Facebook. I have a Facebook page called Divine Feminine Healing of Charleston. I also am my own podcast host, 
of a podcast called My Weirdest Experience, which is all kinds of unusual, strange, weird, awesome, synchronistic healing stories from all kinds of people. And um, yeah, definitely reach out, say hi, send me an email, friend to me on Facebook. Absolutely. Tina's a wonderful person. And if you're interested in my surrogacy journey, the full story, it's on her podcast. Yes, it is. So come check it out. Yeah. All right, guys. Uh, well, thank you, Tina, for coming. I really appreciate you and the insight and pouring into um, my listeners. And um, I mean, this has been probably one of my favorite episodes so far. Thank you, Alicia. We should do it again. Absolutely. So until next time, guys, go ahead and like, subscribe and comment and five star and share and all those kind of fun things that help uh, build the um, traction on on the podcast. And until our next episode next week, keep on healing. Thank you for tuning in to Imperfect Momming. It's time for us to step up and realize that our power is not in trying to shape our children. Our power lies in shaping ourselves into the people we want our children to model themselves after. Don't just do it for your kids. Do it for yourself. When you become a more self-aware, compassionate, and confident person, you and everyone around you benefit. For more information about me and my work, visit alishalyons.com. That's A-L-Y-S-I-A-L-Y-O-N-S dot com. See you next time. Views expressed on this program are those of the host, guests, and callers, and do not necessarily reflect the views of the station, its management, or advertisers. You're listening to Transformation Talk Radio.